0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. We started a couple weeks ago, gathered together a new series in this off-season. Just talking about all through, and we're looking at the book of Acts primarily, just journeying through kind of the different stories in the book of Acts. To, uh, to look at this, this importance of the church being a gathered by, the importance of being together. And this is obviously critically important considering this last year of fragmentation, isolation, and everything else. But at the very core of church, ecclesia, by definition, it is the gathered body. There is a premise of face-to-face physical fellowship, whether big groups or whether small groups is we see in the book of Acts, almost Portico, the rhythm was thousands, right, together. We see the breaking up into, um, into private homes. And we see when persecution and other things happened there, it was just the private home, right, that they were able to, uh, to gather in. And uh, But what we see is that, um, again, all through, even in Hebrews, it says, Do not forsake gathering together, especially as you see right, the day coming, right, there is this importance of, of gathering, and so we're just diving, taking this season to look at that, and, um, and to really drill into what, why is that? Why is there this importance of we <laughs> creating the image of God, we're social creatures, we, we, we need to be with one another, um, and part of the whole Christian life is, is experienced, and we don't grow without that interaction, is we uh, easily, right, fragment, we easily fall into the currents of the world and, um, and the culture. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at this specifically I'm going to bounce out of the book of Acts this morning, and I want to talk about the idea of a new creation, a new community with new possibilities. And uh, just to kind of root us, though, in the first two chapters of Acts, we'll be jumping back into Acts and looking at all, just following the church through the book of Acts and uh, really getting our arms around this idea of what it really means to gather together and the importance of that. Obviously, we saw last week, chapter one, um, the after Easter, the after the resurrection. What, what do we do? How do we respond? How the early church responded, and and uh, we we stepped into that upper room environment where they gathered together. They waited upon the Lord. They prayed. They worshipped. There was an expectation, right, of uh, Christ, what He promised, the promise of the Father, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And uh, we see in chapter 2, we see 10 days later, they didn't know, right? They didn't put it all together. That was going to happen right on the day of Pentecost, but that was Jesus fulfilling all of the feasts of Israel, fulfilling again, fulfilling all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Um, And that's what we know, that in his 40 days that he was on the earth, appearing suddenly in and out to the disciples, that's what he mainly taught them about, was the kingdom of God and and his fulfillment to make them understand the the Old Testament and uh, to rally them together as God's church, uh, and which began right at Pentecost. And uh, then we see, right in chapter 2, this amazing day. They're, they're in worship and their prayer, and that day comes. Suddenly, it says, the Spirit of God came in like a rushing wind, and, uh, and they were never the same again. Nor was the church ever the same again, right? What happened this births, right, this whole new creation, the reality of the promise of the Father, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised, right, to pour out and into, uh, into each of the believers' lives there. And we see this dynamic, right, take place. It changed, right, the entire town of Jerusalem, and then the, the mission was to right, spread out to the ends of the earth. So what I want to do, though, is bounce out of that this morning and focus on two things. New creation, a new community with new possibilities. This is what happened at Pentecost. This was the intent of God. Jesus uh, discipled his leaders in the Gospels to prepare them to be a new creation in the midst of a new community with all new possibilities by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I just want to speak boldly, thanks for those of you tuning in online this morning and those of us here, two things this morning that I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do among us to increase uh, our faith, to encourage us greatly, and to do some deep work right inside our souls. The first one is this idea of what it is to be a new creation, what it is that God has actually done for us. And uh, I just want to speak to you, if you are struggling and have been struggling right, with this idea of, man, what am I becoming? What is happening to my life? Where is my life going? And as you step back and look at your life, and, and, and just in this last year, a confusion of what is happening. And to get clarity and encouragement, right, on this is God's work. It is him who sees you as a new creation. It is him who's done all of the work. It is us that have to take it by faith and obedience, right, to see him do something a glorious, and I don't know about you, but it's easy, right? Every week, we walk out these doors, and pretty soon, whatever the news or whatever it is we get hit with, but it knocks us down in the sense we start lowering, doesn't it? Lowering our idea of what, what does it mean to be a new creation? What does it mean, right, to be seen in God's eyes as something new with all new possibilities in our life, and, and to have a, a larger view, a larger vision and expectation of what is going to happen in our life. And then the idea of a new community is a new community is made up new creations. right? It's a whole new, the church, ecclesia, the body of Christ, the family of God is the gathering of God's people who've been radically transformed, saved, rescued by the grace of God, brought into a whole new family of God to gather together to, to encourage each other. And folks, this is why we need to rub shoulders, and we need this on a regular basis, right, is the Christian life cannot be lived in isolation. It cannot be lived without gathering together. Impossible. It cannot be lived without gathering together in big and in small and in discipleship, learning to walk and lay hold of the promises of God, right, in his word, and to lay hold of all new possibilities. And so when we gather, there should be this lifting up. There should be this focusing on who Jesus is, what He's done, who the Father is, His love, and the power of the Spirit that they poured out among us, Um, and, and to again be encouraged in that we're a new creation, and to lay hold of what it is that God, how He sees you, and what He has for you, His process for you of transformation, what He has for your life, and I don't know about you, but it's easy to get stuck, isn't it? It's easy just to kind of go down that, you know, spiral of thinking about life. And, and we just get, we get locked and loaded on our flesh, our issues. And the enemy loves to bring up the past, right, and everything else and just put us in a place of, of uh, just being stuck, right? And, and, and we lose vision. We lose what God has done for us. We lose the magnitude of the glorious gospel. We lose, right, what... Um, Christ has done for us and what he has for us. And so the importance of gathering together is that we come together to lift one another. Scripture says we're to build up each other when we gather. We're to encourage each other. We're to get a word from God for each other, and we're to push each other towards the idea of becoming His righteousness, set apart, holy, something radically different, a whole new creation. So I want us to, to dive in on that issue this morning. Just encourage each other to set our minds, our hearts again on, wow, what, what, what is it's all about here uh, when we come together. And, and if you're here this morning watching or in person, you don't know. You're not sure of who Jesus is in your life. If you're not sure of what he's offered you, we're trusting that he's going to reveal himself through the Holy Spirit right this morning and cut through maybe a lot of bad religion, maybe a lot of, of not so healthy of a gospel message, maybe just a lower view of, of what God expects and what he's done for you is remember, as we're going to read in the, in the promises of God, he's taken care of, there's no mess, there's no sin, there is nothing that the power of God that Jesus has not done through his death, his resurrection, the pouring out of the Spirit that cannot radically transform anything. Anything. So again, if you're here this morning, and you, maybe you've walked with Christ forever, but you've just been stuck and you've been just caught up in, in a flesh pattern, caught up in some kind of just a thought thing, a depression, a, a flesh pattern of some kind, a, a habit, a, a, it could be just an addiction even that it developed, whatever it is, if you're here this morning with that is I hope the Spirit of God will encourage you and powerfully, supernaturally move to you to bring the Word of God, the truth of God, again, to set your eyes on Jesus has done it. This is what's important. The work is done. It's finished. He's done everything. I want this to sink in. He has done everything needed. I could go verse after verse after verse. And for us to step back in our culture, I'm gonna talk about our culture in just a minute, it's taken hold of us, is that we're just adding on, well, Jesus, but but I need to, Jesus plus this, but I gotta do this, but this and this. He's done everything needed for you to experience a holy, godly life and experience abundance in him. The work is done. The issue for all of us today is, are we willing to come to this crisis of faith where I put aside blame, shame, and everything else, remember, there is no excuses before God because He's done the work. And this is maybe harsh, especially in our very kind of therapeutic culture that I'm going to break that down in a healthy way this morning. But we've, we're the people, right, that we make excuses. And we have allowed that. We've allowed victimhood. We've allowed unti- all these good on the list of all this stuff. When we stand before God, there is no excuses. And there's no blame. There's no shaming. I can't sit back, and God. But look what happened to me in my life. You'll find that nowhere in scripture this is not. It's not an option. Church is probably the only place. Should be the only place in culture that we can We have to come in and just be exposed before God. That's called repentance. And if I'm not ready, if I'm not ready to get there, then you know I'm not ready to receive what He's done for me. And we're so caught up. I don't know about you, but it's easy to get drug into that, right? just to start blaming and shaming and and, and just come up with excuses. Well, you know, this happened to me or God, you allowed that to happen to me. Go down the list of things. None of that. God will never. uh, We're not going to be able to stand before him with any of that. Because you know why? He's done it all for us. He's made a way. He's defeated the power of sin and death. He's made a way for us to lay hold of everything we need to be a new creation, and to walk free from the power of sin. Now the question is how? And we're going to get into that this morning. So let me just pray for us. We're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians, if you want to open up your Bibles there. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. <clears throat> to start there and then we'll move to Romans 8 and uh, this morning. But Father, we just come to you this morning. Pr- Father, we just pray that you'll prepare our hearts, Lord, uh, for your word Holy Spirit, that you'd fill this place, Lord. This would not just be a, sitting and listening to a lecture. I pray for everybody online, Lord, that your spirit would just fill that house, apartment, car, wherever they're listening, Lord. Father, that this would be a powerful engagement, Lord. Us with you, you promise you're in our presence, Lord. Awaken us to the reality of that, Lord. Um, Father, we just ask, Holy Spirit, you would come. You say your work is to convict us, Lord, may you break through the confusion of condemnation and conviction, Lord. Father, our hearts ready to hear from you. You have good things for us. You want to change us. You want to do amazing things. We just ask you to be present here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> starting verse 16. And uh Here's, here's the, the first. I've got two questions for us this morning just to kind of, I hope you'll take these passages. I'm going to just skim the surface on these passages. There's so much good stuff here. Hope you'll take it back. Think about it, pray about it, engage it, ask God to speak through it to you, to go deeper, engage others, talk about this with each other. But this is the first question Are we focused on salvation or narcissism? Which one are we focused on? Which one, as followers of Jesus, what, what is impacting us more in our the thinking and our perspective? Is it, are we more concerned in our own lives about laying hold of the fullness of salvation? That word sozo is everything from meeting the grace of God and being saved, seeing him for who he is at the beginning, all through healing, deliverance. It, the, the word is all-encompassing. The fullness of eternal life that God has for us. Is that our focus? Are we gripped with being right and laying hold of this gift of righteousness from him, right? Or are we more just thinking about personal flourishing, self-well-being, how you feel, that you feel good? This is what our culture has done. Our therapeutic culture, right, has shifted the focus from salvation being, it used to be, folks, not too long ago, do you realize the majority of the worldview in America was more biblical and more Christian in the sense that most of our conversation was about, man, are we right with God? And what do I need to do to be saved? And who is God? Those questions, it is radically shifted today. Those questions, I'm willing to bet many of you have not had a conversation with somebody coming up to you and saying, man, how do I know God? Help me, help me, what is holiness? How do I know if I'm right before God? Those questions are gone. Guess what ones have replaced those in our world today? It is ones of, hey, man, I'm just not feeling good. Or I feel bad about myself or, or whatever. In other words, we go so that we can be pepped up. And, and remember, <laughs> the whole culture is about affirming one another's feelings. Right? We're more concerned about how to make that person feel good right, and enter in empathetically into the position that we are concerned ultimately about that person's salvation. Where are they at with God? Now, that's a radical shift, and it subtly come, powerfully has taken over the conversation. But in here, we have to make sure that in the house of God, in the gather body of believers, we have to make sure right, that the conversation has shifted, right? is we d- we're never going to get to a place of personal flourishing unless we first deal with the tough stuff. Am I right with God? Anything else is strictly human. It's chafe. It's going to blow away, right? And so this question of, man, my focus in my life about salvation, what God has done for me, and, and, and then also, is that my main conversation? Is that how I'm dealing with others? This is why in the church today alone, we have a hard time speaking the truth in love. Why? Because we're more concerned about how that person is going to feel than we are about the holiness and the word of God and obedience. It changes the whole context of community. We don't become the new community that God wants us to be, right, if that conversation is is not um, the way it should be. So here we go. This is um, Paul writing to the second, this is his second letter, and of course there's maybe another letter in there, but that's another story. And um, listen to these words as he's writing to the church, okay? Verse 16, from now on, church, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, in a new community, and when believers come together, in other words, think about this radical shift, no longer do we look at each other, do we regard each other according to the flesh, in other words, our focus is not on my sin, my mess, my past, my issues. The focus needs to be, yes, we've got to bring all that stuff before God, before the gospel. But the focus, the priority is the new creation. As we look at you and think about how that would change the context. A parent looks at their child, not in the midst of all their junk, but looks at them as who they are in God. And leads them to the person and the only one, Jesus, who can transform them into that person that ultimately God created them to be. Folks, how do we look? And I, I, there's so much here, right? Think about how easy it is in our lives to just look at each other in comparison. Wow, I don't do that. Or why is that person this? I mean, think about how much flesh is actually in how we look and observe each other and think about each other versus a new creation. A glorious being. Something that God has gracefully redeemed and healed. And look at the potential that person has. Right? So this is what Paul says to the church. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. So Paul's saying, look, uh, uh, there was a time where he just saw Jesus as what? Just a human. But Jesus defeated the power of death. Was raised from the dead and fully revealed who he was fully god and fully fully man and because of that it should change how we view one another because he came to redeem and call us to be right his his children and so um, verse 17 therefore if anyone's in Christ he is a i want to say it again if anybody's in Christ he is a new a new creation That is where we're to focus. When we gather together, that is what we need the encouragement on, is to set our eyes again on what you are. Do you realize what God has done? If you know Jesus, if you received him as your Savior and Lord, do you know how God sees you as something new with outrageous possibilities beyond our wildest imagination? And that is how we're to start looking at others. It will change radically our relationship with each other. It'll change radically how we talk to one another. It'll change the course of our discipleship of how we encourage and help each other grow, right? The old has passed away. Do you believe that? I'm going to be bold here. Do you believe your old has passed away? Do you believe who you used to be? Do you believe those old sin patterns? Do you believe the old thought patterns? Do you believe that's passed away? The problem in our culture today is, and see, the enemy doesn't want you to live under that reality. The enemy doesn't want you to apply faith in a whole new, as we're going to see in a minute, setting your mind on what is new and what is of the Spirit, rather than a setting of my mind on the flesh, the old, the sin patterns, and everything else. It's a move forward. It's something new. It's something new. And folks, this is, this is the radical nature of the gospel, what God has done. It's not Christianity and what we come here all about and what he has for you and salvation and for his church altogether. It's, it's new. It's something new on into eternity. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new way of living in community with one another, right? And so these are truths, and we're gonna get to this here in just a second, that ultimately life change boils down to this crisis of a moment i have to decide what is true what am i going to believe and i have to trust in that right and not coddle my issues at some point i have to make a decision and that is only way that i'm truly going to advance and truly going to experience the transformation power of god the old has passed away behold the new has come All this is from God, all of it, who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself, giving us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God didn't save us to just leave us in this very narcissistic view of, well, I got to come, this is what God, and here's what happens in the church, folks, is, is when, we, when the therapeutic comes in, what's all about me, the narcissism comes in, is that even in the church, Is once I'm saved, is that my whole Christian life revolves around, what is God doing for me? All my Bible studies revolve around how can I better my life, my marriage, my depression, my going on and on and on, rather than Jesus saved you to be a reconciler. He saved you to be in ministry with him, in partnership with him, out reconciling the world to him, to him. Now, we all need work, and that's part of discipleship. But again, immediately we see that God wants, he he didn't save us, right? And and look at the, again, if we're going to get back to the book of Acts, we do not see when people met Jesus, they didn't need much time. They were immediately thrust out into being reconcilers, being involved in proclaiming the good news. They weren't schluffed over here for years of having to deal with their bondage and their flesh. You'll never find that in scripture you'll find a new creation that has moved past. Not that they're perfect, not that we don't struggle, but one that takes the power of the gospel into my sin and covers it and moves forward. And when it happens again, covers it moves forward. Doesn't allow myself to get just locked in, focused on the old, but always to the new. And that's why we gather. Set your mind on the one who can set you free. Set your mind on the things of the spirit. We're going to see that. Romans here, right, in just a minute. <clears throat> so he reconciled us so that we would be ambassadors. So entrusting the message of reconciliation, just verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his, gospel, his appeal through us. That's how God reaches people, through us, through his children. And, and um, I think we have to all, it's a harsh, it's a tough question, but we have to wrestle with it. Am I a new creation? Am I somebody that God is doing his appeal through me to others? Is my life, is my life a new creation? Is it worthy, right, to be an example, to, to, for God to use as, as an appeal to a, a world that desperately needs some hope? And we have to be honest with that. Folks, that's why discipleship's important, is we have to encourage each other to get there and to get focused right on on the gospel and not hung up on this thing. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Let it sink in. Folks, that should be one that's on our hearts, that verse. For he, for the Father, made Jesus sin, who knew no sin, he was perfect. He thrust all of your mess, all of my mess, all of my sin, past, present, future, all of yours, the world's, thrusted on Jesus so he could wash it clean, so he could set us free from the power of the flesh, right, and the power of death and fear that we might, what, be new creation, right, for him. Um, I love what... Uh, C.S. Lewis writes, "I believe it's a mere Christianity." Um, and folks listen to this, this is so we need such a realignment on this when it comes to this truth we've read, is um, God didn't send his son. Father didn't send his son just to make you a different kind of a person. He didn't send his son to do all this. He didn't go through all this salvation to just make us just, a, 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 you know, better nicer. That makes me want to gag, right? It's not about being nice. It's not about being better. It's about being something wholly new, wholly new, and that is the gospel. When Jesus takes over in your life, he becomes the Lord and Savior of your life. You're a new creation. You're not just a better version of yourself. You're something radically different. And Lewis, in his wonderful way, he said this. He says, look, just like a a horse analogy, right, it it wasn't about just teaching that horse to be a better horse, to jump higher and run faster. He gave that horse wings. It's a different kind of horse. And that horse needs to learn, as a new creation, how to use its wings folks, that is exactly what it is is—a new creation. You've been given wings. You've been given the power of the resurrection. You've been given the Holy Spirit to indwell your soul. And the thing in the church is we're to be here to encourage you to flap those wings. Instead, a lot of the time what we've grown up in and maybe what we hear is just do better. Be better. Try harder. Stop sinning. Right? And you know, where does that get us? Man, I just I focus on my flesh, I focus on the sin, I, I focus on the mess, and I gotta be better, I gotta be better. You change this. No. No, this isn't about being better. This is about being something wholly new. And until you lay hold of those wings, you're never gonna experience the radical transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit to realize you can't be better. I can't be better. It's only through him that I can. And here's the reality is he wants you to fly. He wants you to fly in the same way and live your life like Jesus lived his, like we're gonna read in the book of Acts, to live like they lived. A whole nother existence that's connected with eternity, that's connected right to your heavenly Father, right, who has all good things for you. Not to get hung up, right, in my in my flesh pattern, in my my issues. And folks, we are so bound by our issues. And we spend, if you look across America in the church today, do you realize we spend way more time focused on my issues than on the Savior Himself? The new creation, this is very important, listen to me. We're to focus on the Savior, not the sin. We're to focus on the miracle of salvation, not the mess. And if we don't make that shift, we will be drugged into a culture that primarily nurtures, fleshes out, continues the therapeutic process of trying, right, to to deal with this thing rather than a focus. And why why do we come to church? Why do we worship? We come here not to focus on my sin, your sin. The work of the Spirit of God does that with Conviction. And with power, we come here to set our eyes on Him, to worship Him. We come here to set our eyes on the promises of God, to encourage each other. You're something new. You got wings. They might be just little lumps over here right now, but you got to start. You got to start flapping them. You got to start flapping them. You got to start using the gifts the Holy Spirit's giving you. You got to start realizing you're a wreck. God's saved you to be an ambassador for Him, to be out there and step out in faith. You got to flap your wings you got to flap your wings. And so, this idea, just throw it out, this question, man, what, what are we focusing on? Man, is it narcissistic? Am I just, am I just, man, how much time do I spend? And folks, let me just, <laughs> hope I'm not misunderstood, but let me tell you why we have as much mental spiritual struggle today is because we've bought the worldview of the culture, we focus on the issue, the depression, the, the wrong thinking, not on who we are, not on the Savior, right? Worship is the most transforming, prayer and worship is the most transform- transforming thing you do. God promises he'll meet you in that place. It doesn't matter what you're messing with, doesn't matter what I'm messing with, doesn't matter how be- dark and one- and gory it is or how big of a struggle it is. Faith says he will join me if I come to him first, leave my mess under what Jesus said' is finished, I've covered it. I've done everything needed to do to get you to come into fellowship with me. The question, am I going to do that? Stop regarding each other according to the flesh. Stop. That should be the strongest line when it comes to discipleship, counseling, Bible study, everything else, right there. It should be our thing, is make sure in your time together, your focus is on the Savior and His promises, 98 percent of the time, two percent. You can focus on the sin because we've got to bring our mess to him. But there should be a quick, lay it at your feet, God. Now bring your spirit. Let me learn to set my eyes on the one who has a new life, a new perspective, a new power for me. And you come, God. You come into this, right? Second question is Romans 8.1. If you have your Bibles, turn here. Some of the most profound, powerful verses. Um... And we're going to take some time just to meditate on just one of these this morning. But I'm going to just try to do a quick through these verses this morning. Um, so I don't want to be misunderstood. Are we focused on sanctification or therapy? Okay, so do not misunderstand. I'm not down on therapy. Okay, Dan Cale, who's up here. Uh, Dan started Trailhead Ministries Christian Counseling here in our church. He's, they live in Newcastle. They've got ministry among this whole valley to all, around the whole state now. Okay, Christian counseling is beautiful. Christian therapy, where the focus is getting your eyes off your issue onto Christ, is beautiful. Therapy that simply is about making me feel better and fixing me, right? And uh, the idea of personal well being and flourishing, right, is a dead end. It's a dead end. Not saying that there's not some benefit to it, for sure. But we have got to, folks, that idea has crept into the church so much that it it gets me focused about, again, my feelings. Folks, if if you can't lay your feelings down at the altar, you know what? You'll never, and I'm going to just say that's a strong statement, we will never step into the fullness of who Christ is and and being a new creation. I have to come to him and lay my feelings because, get this, is that my feelings have to circle around to align with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And that's not going to happen until I step forward in obedience by faith and take his word as as true, right? And um, so listen to this. Listen to these words. So just, man, I wish I had time, but Romans, theologically what Paul is doing here in chapter 7 right, he, he's wrestling with the law as someone who's trying to obey the law, right, but w- without the Spirit, you know, a Pharisee in the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be good, right, and um, in verse 6, right, he says, but now we are, this is of chapter 7 of Romans, we release from the law because of what Christ has done, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, don't miss it, there it is, new, 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 this isn 't just a better religion, it's something wholly different, wholly radical, all right and it 's a new way of the spirit, not the old way of the written code. Many believers are still stuck in the old way of the code, trying to work harder, trying to be better, and subtle but but right very powerful and and he moves in this chapter, he comes to those famous, oh, wretched, at the end of chapter seven, wretched man, I am, who will deliver me from this body? And he says, look, I'm stuck in this thing where I, I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of of sin, right? In other words, I I, I want to do his law, I see it as good, but man, I'm just stuck, I'm in bond, I'm not making any progress here. And it, And that's a very, and folks, that's just religion of the world, right? Thinking that we can, you know, obey and, 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 and muster up will to, to be better it's, man, it's fruitless, it's, it's bondage right, it, it's depressive it, it's disillusioning, I just go down the list, but look what's changed, this is the new way of the spirit, listen to the word of God therefore uh, or there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus hmm. breathe it in folks, there's nothing like the grace of God doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. If you come under Christ and His grace, there's no condemnation. But here's the deal. If I continue to go back here and coddle my issues, if I continue to step back and look at my flesh patterns, guess what I'm doing? I'm putting myself under condemnation. If I continue to look back and coddle this over here, I'm continuing to put myself under condemnation rather than put that under the grace of God. It's done. He's covered. And to call upon His strength right, to advance, In the midst of that. Now, we usually stop. Everybody knows that verse. It's the second verse that I want us to really meditate on this morning. Listen to this. For the law of the spirit of life, this is the heart of God. Father, Son, the Spirit fleshes out the love of God and the power of God through the cross and the resurrection. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Radical change from chapter 7. It said, in this bondage he was in my flesh, I served the law of sin. He just now has changed. Now under the new covenant, he's made a powerful statement. You are no longer to have to serve right, the law of sin. You're free. It's finished. Amen. So, okay, well, how? Do I, how? How, do I do, how do I lay hold of that? Here we go. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. He's fulfilled the Old Testament law. The whole Old Testament should be pictured just over and over again. God, man, this religion is worrisome. I, I can't do it. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order, why? That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We might become righteous, not just in how God sees us, positionally, but righteous, actually living a holy life set free from wrong thoughts, unholy thoughts, and unholy actions. How? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Folks, do you realize, let me just read this, I'll come back. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh, my mess, my issues, right? All of that, my struggles, what does it say? Set the mind on the flesh is what? It's death. It's death. But to set the mind on the spirit is what? Life and peace. Life. Isn't that what we, want? we want life. I want to live. I want life. And how about shalom? Peace in the midst of my chaos. Folks, we need a mind shift. We need, to, as Romans 12 says, we need a whole renewal concept of my mind. What are we thinking about? What's my mind set upon? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. So any wonder why I'm not getting breakthrough when my, most of my time is set on my issues, my struggles, my past struggles, when my mind is set there? was it say, I can't even obey the law. I put myself back under the law, back under condemnation. I'm coddling my old self that the scripture says it's passed away. I set my mind on the things of the Spirit. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's why we have to advance. How are we going to do that? Not through religion. Pressing into our loving God who's given the Spirit of God to do it in a whole new way. It's a whole new way. You are, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Come on, church. You're in the Spirit, you're a new creation. This is why we need to gather and encourage, get, our, get our minds back on who we are and what's available to us. There's all possibilities. There's nothing you're struggling with, no thought pattern, nothing. And we'll even add to it, we just add all, everything in life. God's sufficient. All possibilities. You have or not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. The proof of salvation is not just somebody saying a prayer, not just some church act, not just coming forward and saying a prayer. The proof of salvation is the evidence of the power of the Spirit of God inside a person. We gotta get that right in the church too, right? Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, right? this body is going to the grave, but he's gonna raise it up, what? Completely. He's going to finish his work. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, listen to this, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He will bring life to your issue and peace to your issue if we set our minds on him and on the things of the Spirit. That's the how. Now, We don't have too much time to get into the details of the how, but I'll just give one very simple. And, you know, we've complicated this. We have complicated breakthrough. We're looking for the the magic pill to to get breakthrough in our lives, and we've tried a thousand programs, a thousand different ways to, to get life. It's simple. Trust and obey. There's no other way. As the old hymn says. And you say, and what have we done as a culture? Oh, that's so simplistic, that's so religious. No, that's it. Because ultimately for change is is what Paul brings us to here. We see it in the New Testament, we see it in the book of Acts. I have to, life change doesn't come, folks, until we're brought to a crisis of faith. Real change does not happen until I come to a place and I I have to get to the place where, what am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the lie of the enemy, what the world says? And hold on, coddle my pastor. Or am I going to believe the scripture? And remember, to set our minds on the things of the spirit means I have to be in the word of God, thinking about the word of God more than what? More than media? More than movies? We just got it on the list. Any wonder we're not experiencing radical transformation? Do you? I mean, just look at our, I'll I say about myself. Think about how much intake we're taking of the world versus how much we're taking of the truth. I can promise you, because I can give testimony in my own life, when you're in this, and you're trusting God to speak to you, Lord, renew my mind, set my mind on the things of the Spirit, I promise you, when this takes more input than movies and media and just go down the list of worldly stuff, I make a guarantee, God just, we just read it, it's a promise, you will change. You will change. That's part of being obedient to What Jesus says, embrace my word. Abide in me. Abide in my word. I'll abide with you. You'll change. And and, and so here's the crux is, is we have coddled Christians today to think that you're gonna experience the blessings of God when you're not setting your mind on the word of God. Ain't gonna happen. Just gotta say it as clear as we can. It ain't gonna happen. And we have been in a therapeutic culture that we've coddled feelings. Oh, I'm so sorry you feel this way. Rather than bringing people to crisis of faith, are we going to believe this and take steps of obedience? Or are we going to continue to kind of coddle, make excuses for where I'm at, why I'm not getting breakthrough. Oh, God's not speaking to me. Oh, God hasn't done this. He hasn't, look what he allowed in my past. Those kind of things will keep us in death. They'll keep us from moving forward. Rather than coming to a place of I have to get honest before god i'm le- reading listening watching whatever it is um things that are of the world more than i'm in his word that's the starting place in prayer if we don't get that right you know what is that I, we just have to tell people well, you're not ready man let me journey with you and folks here's the other thing discipleship so critical here this understanding getting down the nuts and bolts of how do i set my mind on the on the on the uh, the spirit um man it takes discipleship. It takes a small group of men, a small group of women to challenge each other to, hey, how are we doing? Center our mind on God, on his goodness, on his power, right? And, and helping each other in this, in this journey. So I want to, um, Derek, y'all come on up here. Um, I lost track of the, the time on this, but let me just close this one out because I want us to just take some time here in closing before we come to the table just to let this, let this sink in, let this truth sink in. And what God wants to do for us. Now listen very carefully to this. This is really critical. We don't obey. Remember I said trust and obey. We've made this very difficult, this transformation. It comes down to ultimately in my life, if I want breakthrough. Ultimately, through all the issues, programs, everything else. Ultimately, it comes down to a faith decision on my part. That is where we have to bring people. That's where I have to come myself. Ultimately, it comes down to what am I going to set my mind on, period, plain and simple, right there. And God will meet us at that place. And, um, and here's, here's listen, listen, I hope this sinks in. Folks, we don't obey to earn his love. We obey because of his love. We don't obey to earn his love. That's the old way. You can't obey enough to receive God's love. We obey because of his love. And as we grow and more mature, we obey, right, because we're in love. Does that make sense? That's a transformed heart, right? That's a transformed heart. And folks, it's not some, Jesus didn't come from the old covenant to the new covenant. It wasn't like, hey, let's just add a few you know, changes to the old covenant. This is important. It's a new covenant. It's something wholly different. It's walking in the ways of the Spirit, not the ways of the law. And too much in our lives, we try to blend those. You can't, nothing of the old way will help you today to experience everything that God has for you, right? So Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray for those watching online, all of us, each of our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, come now. Lord, will you guys keep that verse up there, please? And um, I just want to take some time, that last slide, if you would, on uh, Romans 8, verse 2. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to move the truth of that into our hearts this morning. God, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you have set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and the law of death. And that means everything is possible because you want us to be a new creation, Father. I just pray that blessing over each one of us this morning. Lord, bolster our hearts in who you are, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.